Welcome to the Simply Authentic Podcast with Angie and Tanya, where we will enlighten you with our real estate knowledge, highlight entrepreneurship, and have conversations about your passions, goals, and your struggles. We will talk about real estate, entrepreneurship, and you being the best version of yourself. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Simply Authentic, a podcast that was designed to be real, raw, and authentic in order to connect, encourage, and inspire. I'm Angie Mullings. And I'm Tanya Murfin. We're so excited to start this journey and finally be broadcasting. We were both looking for a platform where we could share our experiences and expertise as a way of giving back. We've both been so blessed with fantastic mentors and guidance along our path. Now it's our turn to do the same. So as this podcast moves forward, you will hear from business owners, entrepreneurs, resources, and educators in our community. We want to interview individuals that have pivoted in their careers, gambled on themselves, and poured their hearts into whatever they are doing. Let's talk about our passion, goals, challenges, disappointments, success, and failures. We're both very introspective and still trying to figure it out all by ourselves. That's right. So to kick things off, we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves, our backgrounds, what we hope to accomplish, and a little of our why. So sit back and enjoy. The only thing we ask of you is a little grace, as this is our first recording. You might hear a few ums and a few so's as we get rolling here, but stay with us as we believe at the end of the day, it's about the Simply Authentic content. So, Tanya. Yes, let's get started. Let's get started. Tell us, um, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Okay, so I grew up in Nixa, uh, went to high school there and lived there most of my life. Grew up in a family of builders and developers. After high school, I went to SMS or MSU for two years. And then I went to radiology school at St. John's for two years. And then I started in the workforce. I worked in radiography for five years at Cox North. And then I got pregnant with my first daughter, Lakin. And I was lucky enough to be able to quit and stay at home with her. So two years after that, I had Madden, my secondborn, and I did not go back to work. I knew when I left Cox North, I would not go back into radiology. It was not, it was not at all what I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and I needed to pick a career, you know, as we do when we're out of high school, and, and I thought I wanted to go into healthcare, and it just, it didn't fit me. So I knew I would never go back into that. However, back when I was still in that and before children, I had a bestie from high school, Micheline Ramsey, and she and I hung out a day that I wasn't at work, and she was at work. And Mm -hmm. so we had lunch, and she was a realtor here in Springfield, had been licensed for a couple of years. And we just had a fun day together while she had work to do I was just a tag along so we had lunch and we went to open a house and we looked at a house or two and um, 
went by her new office, which they had recently opened. So it was a flurry of activity in there. There was a lot going on. And I just thought to myself, this looks fun. Mm -hmm. And I like houses. This might be something I might do in the future, you know. Mm -hmm. So when Madden was almost two, I decided to go to real estate school. And so got my license in 02. And I worked for a brokerage here in town for about 11 years. And I was in the Ozark office when I had a gentleman named Frank Lorenz, a good friend of mine, walk in and asked me, hey, have you ever thought about opening your own real estate brokerage? And I said, no, never. And he said, well, are you willing to have a conversation? And I said, sure, I'll have a conversation. I, up to that point, that idea had never, ever crossed my mind. So I was pretty content with being a realtor, and I was a single mom, so I had to work, and I worked hard. And, you know, that's that, that was my goal, was just, you know, to do what I was doing. Provide for them. Provide for them and stay the course. Mm-hmm. And we have this conversation, and it's with two other men and myself, so three men and myself, and we decide to step out on this branch that none of us had done before and open our own real estate brokerage. So we're just a few minutes in, and already you've given two examples of where you faced fear and perhaps, I don't know, I shouldn't put words in your mouth. I don't know if it was fear for you, but you you took two chances, right? You Mm -hmm. had been at a full-time position Mm -hmm. that I assumed you got paid on a regular basis, salary or something that us realtors don't know anything about. Right. So you left a, you you had already left a salary position, but your, your goal was probably to go back into something that was similar or at least salaried. Was it scary going into a full commission type of uh, position? Absolutely. Um, I think that at the time when I decided to do this, I was lucky enough to be married and had another income in the house. Mm-hmm. So going from a biweekly, probably, paycheck to a 1099 didn't scare me as bad at that time when I decided to be a realtor as it probably would have had I already been a single mother. Right. So I was fairly successful out of the gate um, working in real estate. And when I had gotten divorced and I was a single mom still, I never thought about going back to the hourly job. I guess, you know, if times get really tough, we do what we have to do. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely would have done that. I would do that today mm-hmm. if if that's what I needed to do. That's right. what I would do. But uh, so the fear wasn't really there with opening the brokerage of still being a 1099 because I already was. Right. The fear was more based on we have no idea what we're doing. And the four of us agreed uh, when you go into business with someone else, you know that you're looking for strengths in each person mm-hmm. and and none of us are exactly alike. So each of us had different qualities that we brought to the table, which really made the partnership work. And I wouldn't have 
went through a group of people that I knew and picked these other three men out to be partners with, right? Interesting. That yeah. would never have dawned on me, mm-hmm. nor had I ever thought about it. Mm-hmm. But because that first meeting went really well, and I felt really good about it, the fear wasn't tremendous. Yes, we were nervous when we had to leave the brokerage we were with and open our own. Yeah, there was a lot of fear that day, mm-hmm. you know, but we we all embraced it and knew that's what we wanted to do. And we all, the bottom line was we knew we could sell real estate from any company. Mm-hmm. We just had no idea what it would be like to run our own. And it's quite different. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it's we've learned. World. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we also all agreed on having fun. We're not going to do this and be so serious that we can't leave the office at the end of the day and appreciate one another and laugh together. And we had a lot of fun. We probably had too much fun, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, in the beginning because it was so relaxed. There were seven of us in there. Yeah. And we were in this small office in Ozark, and we, we, I think we really bonded and enjoyed one another. So That's great. It, so fast forward, that was in 2013, January of 2013, and we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Awesome. Congratulations. January. Thank you. That's awesome. So it's amazing to uh, think about it already being 10 years. I know I can say that to you because I'm sure when you tell your story and how long you've owned your brokerage, you will have a similar thought mm-hmm. uh, to share, but it, time goes by really quickly. And you learn a whole lot really quickly. So we all we all are are very excited that we're at our ten year anniversary. I have only one partner now. Mm-hmm. We bought out the other two gentlemen because they had other things to do. So it's just Shannon Todd and I, and owning the brokerage is still a, a something that I learned over the years that I really love to foster new agents. And I love to, and not even just new agents, our agents that are at our boutique brokerage are some of them have been in the business, you know, as long as I have, but we all have struggles in this mm-hmm. business and we all hit walls occasionally. And I really enjoy the the day-to-day and the agent fostering and uh, leading the meetings and teaching them something new or reminding them of something they learned a long time ago that they, you know, that we need to relearn sometimes right. to be reminded right. of. Right. So I love that part of owning a brokerage. Yeah. And you talked, you've, you've told me before about culture, that culture was very important to you in the beginning and that you, um, you wanted to be the one in charge of culture yes. because it was so important to you. And yes. And when we all sat down that first meeting, you know, I, I knew these men, but I didn't know them well. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea what this was going to look like. But one of my requirements to be able to do this with them was that I got to be in charge of the culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I said that and had that drive before I ever knew what it was going to look like, right? Mm-hmm. No idea. But primarily because it was important to me of how I would feel every day. And it was 
important to me if we had, besides the four of us, we had three other agents come with us. And it was important for me, it was important to me for them to feel the way that I needed them to feel supported and like we were having fun. Mm -hmm. And although real estate is very serious, it can be very stressful. And so there's so much seriousness in our job. We just sometimes we just have to laugh about things. So sure. uh, building the culture in the company was kind of up to me. Mm-hmm. And I am very proud to say that we we have really loyal agents that work for us and their family. Right? Yeah. You know that right. after you've worked with people for so long, absolutely, they become family. Right. So, and you know, you I think you really lucked out in terms of partners because that can go really bad or really good. And so the fact that you were able to find people that complimented you, that had different strengths, and that was you knew that sort of going in is is a great thing because it it can really not go the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Great experience. I wouldn't do anything differently. I think that my where I am today, obviously that experience with being partners with those men taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had they been three women, I would have had a different experience, yes, right? Yes. So being the only woman may have been an advantage to me. Mm-hmm. Men, working with men is different than working with women, obviously. Yeah. But um, I think that they gave me a lot of grace in being the only woman, mm-hmm. and they were willing to listen to me. They didn't always agree, but sure. I didn't always agree with them either. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 So, Angie, let's go to you. It's your turn. Okay. So, tell us who you are. Sure. I was raised on a dairy farm in Pleasant Hope, very small town. If you're not familiar, we had less than 500 people when I was growing up there. So all I knew as I was growing up is that I wanted to get the hell out of there because it was way too small town for me. And I didn't want to milk cows and work in the field the rest of my life. So I decided to go away to school to Central Missouri University where I got a degree in business. Fashion merchandising was my primary field of study. And when I finished that, I quickly realized that in order to make any money, with this degree, I was going to have mm-hmm. to go somewhere. Yeah. New York sure. City, Dallas, sure. somewhere Big where city. there was a, a fashion scene, if right. you will. And being from a small town, granted, I went to a larger university and where there was a lot more diversity and I, I learned a lot with that experience, but... I didn't feel like I was ready to go to a big city. It was probably fear that stopped sure. me. Yeah. But as I was sort of struggling for a year or so, my dad suggested, why don't you get into real estate? He had started building houses. So okay. he, you know, it was a time um, when the housing industry was really ramping up. There were a lot of people out there building homes. And so he had started that on some land we had in Pleasant Hope. And he said, why don't you get your real estate license? And and I remember so vividly that I kept saying, I don't want to sell anything. I don't want to be a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. Yeah. yeah. And we're not really salespeople. Right. We, we sell ourselves. That's what we have to sell. Yes. But I don't really think of what we do as sales. We're more consultants and coaches, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into a little more of that later on. But I didn't know that at the time. Sure. I just knew that his agent, I considered him a salesperson. Sure. And I just didn't want to sell. 
So it took about a year for him to convince me. And finally, since nothing else was was coming on my horizon, I decided to go ahead and get my real estate license. And at that time, you could go straight through. You could get your real estate license, your salesperson license, and get your broker and license. And your broker. Okay. Yeah. So, so you I did just that. wiped it all okay. out all at once. And I didn't give much thought into the brokerage I was going to go with because one of the reasons I got into real estate, in addition to daddy telling me I should, was that his agent was very good to me, always talked to me about real estate and and what it was like to be in real estate. So I sort of had an idea before I actually got my license, what I was looking at. And I'd start to realize that, okay, I'm really not going to, it's not going to be that salesy type of that's just what I had in my mind. Right. It wasn't going to be that. So he, just to get this straight, your dad's realtor mm-hmm. had already kind of taught you, this is what we do, and this is how we do right. it. Or he was at least telling you those things right. and, and explaining the career to you, right. essentially. Exactly. Okay. Because what Got you it. learn in real estate is not what we do every day, no. right? It teaches right. you how to pass a test, and that's the extent of that For education, sure. if you will. Yeah. So I was fortunate that someone had yeah. sort of coached me a little bit and told me this is this is what it's going to look like when when you do this for a career. Right. So there was no question I was going to go with Century Twenty One, and and my brokers were very good to me. Um, I was in, I think I was in my twelfth year as a realtor. I was being groomed the entire time. They okay. they knew that at some point this was their second or third career. And they had moved here actually from Hawaii because their daughter oh. had, had gone to school here. Okay. And so it was their second or third career. And they knew they wanted to retire at some point. And they were looking for a secession plan. And I was it. Okay. So when he was out of town, I would, I would be the acting broker. So I had a little bit of experience. And in uh, about two years before I actually bought the office, like I said, I was about 12 years in when I bought the office. And about two years prior to that, one of my brokers passed away. Mrs. Okay. Bardot passed away. She had cancer. So she um, is very sudden. And then Bill Bardot was trying to grieve and run the office at the sure. same time. And it was obvious that his heart wasn't in it. Sure. And he, like you, because they were partners, they <clears throat> each had their area of expertise. Right. And yes. he just, he was not good he at her lost area. He part. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable. Exactly. Yeah. So he decided... Um, that he would leave in 2007. So it was right for those of you who are too young to remember this. It was the beginning of the recession. And that's when he decided he wanted to retire. And so I took over. And it was it was difficult. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about in this podcast, we we Tanya and I have discussed, we want to talk about the hard stories. We want to yes. tell the hard stories. We want to tell the good stories. We want to, and everything in between. Yes. So that's a, that's a difficult one that we'll talk about, just struggling through that time period when the recession is going on. But So Angie, <clears throat> the when he decided he was going to sell, because I remember 0506 really well, mm-hmm. and I, I remember how crazy it was. Yeah. Did he... No, the recession was coming, or did that just happen to play out like that? That was so funny. He had this saying, the train is coming, because he had been a banker for a long time. He He was a banker in Alaska. He was a banker in Hawaii, and he would tell us, people, the train is coming. And he was saying that for two years before, because there was so much going on at that time. Yeah. 
and so many things that should not have been going on. Yeah. And he recognized it. Well, and him being a banker, yeah. my, my thought with you saying that is, you know, a lot of our lending partners at that time were the ones that were saying this and this and this is is happening and aligning and the, and it's not good and right. it's going to crash and and they were right right you know exactly yeah. and i was too naive i didn't really know what he meant by the train is coming what yeah. does that mean right cuz i had, Where's it it had been i was 12 years <laughs> in yeah where, where do i need to be <laughs> north or south <laughs> i you know 12 years in and it had been it had been all all boom yes. you know it's either bust or boom in yes. our in our industry a lot of times and so yeah. it had been all good up until that point and so when it crashed it crashed and it crashed yeah. hard and he knew it was coming and he he knew he didn't have the energy to to get us through that sure. so hindsight it it was a struggle for me it was probably one of the best things that could have ever happened to me early on in my brokerage career that i was leading the ship um yeah. but it was still very difficult and and but here we are but you got past it I got past it and what year is this for you this is 28 okay so yeah, yeah. so so our real estate careers mm -hmm. is what led us to meet each other right yeah. so people people who know us in the real estate world and community um, they are used to seeing us in some of the similar similar places, and you know we've both been very involved at the board. Mm -hmm. But that is actually where you and I met each other right. because we, although I had been in the industry, you had been in the industry. We didn't really know each other. So right. in Springfield, just to give lis listeners kind of a purview of how many agents there are here in Springfield area, GSBOR has 2,700 members-ish. And back at that time, it wasn't that large, but that's but how it large it close. is now. Yeah. yeah, I think it was 2,300 whenever in 2007 before we started okay. losing people. Okay. Yeah. 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 That would so, make sense. Yeah. So yeah, Greater Springfield Board of Realtors is the association that we are licensed under right. and so one thing that we we've talked about is you know how what things have we done throughout our careers to that that have made a difference um and one of the things that has really made a difference and i know a lot of brokers don't get as involved as we have sure. right they leave that sort of to their agents there's right. a lot of brokers who think oh i have too much to do to get really involved right. but it is so important and it has made a huge difference in my business so it was about 2012 i think somewhere around there that you know we're still we're still we're coming out of the recession we're right. we're slowly making our way out of that and I just sat down at my desk one day and I thought, I need to be around some other people. I need an outlet for, right. I need to know more about what's going on. I sort of felt isolated coming out of, you know, you're really isolated because you're just head down doing the best you oh, can sure. every single day. Survival mode. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So now that things are starting to turn around a little bit, I really wanted to be around people and figure out what else was going on out there. What right. else did I need to know? So I picked up the phone and called Isabel Walker and I said, what's going on with Women's Council of Realtors? And she said, funny you should call me today because our president moved to Kansas City and our vice oh. president 
got out of the business and our secretary and so on. And she said, so I'm going to be president next year. Do you want to be my vice chair? <laughs> Voluntold <laughs> right into that slot. Yes. And sometimes you just simply say yes to something and you don't really know why you say yes. Right. We're all busy people. And I could have simply said, no, I'm way too busy. But at, in that moment, I just said, sure, let's right. do it. Right. So she was president. I was vice president. The following year, I, I became president, and that started my journey into leadership at, at in the board realm. Right. Back at that time, when you were president of Women's Council of Realtors, you had a seat on the uh, board okay. of realtors. So okay. you were a director on the board of realtors. So that got me around that table. Right. And and you know, and then eventually I was president in, in, of Greater Springfield Board of Realtors in 2019. Right. And again, that's sitting around that table is where you and I met. Yes. So my story with GSPOR is I had been I had been working a deal with Jeff Kester, and Jeff Kester is the current CEO of GSPOR at the Board of Realtors. So he and I were working a deal. It was over a few months later. He contacts me and says, hey, have you ever thought about being on the board of directors at GSPOR? And I said, I don't even know what that means. Who is that? Who are those people? And so he explained to me that there's a board of directors that runs the board and we have a vacancy. And as naive as I was, I, like you said, okay. And my one question for him was, well, what does that look like? And what is the obligation there? And he said, oh, we meet once a month. And so you'll come to a meeting 12 times a year. And he made very much light of that. <laughs> uh, I like to remind him of that. But anyway, I said, okay. And I, like you, nobody had ever introduced what happened at the board other than us just going in there to get CE credits mm -hmm. or pay a bill. Mm -hmm. So he gets me on the agenda to be a person that would be interested in filling the slot of the vacancy. And it was, I want to say it was a six month term that was left. So he says to me, okay, I want you to come in and I want you to be here at this time. And I want you to sit in the board or in the, conference room, which is just a big dark room if no one's there. And I, two, one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to come out after we've voted, and I'm going to say, you've been voted in, come back here with me. And you're going to come in and sit at the table with us. Or I'm going to come out and give you the neck slitting gesture, <laughs> and you will need to leave and I'll call you later. So I was like, what? What does that even mean? Still clueless. And yeah. I I guess sometimes when you have a gut feeling about something, it's either good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. Or indifferent. And I was kind of indifferent about this. I was mm -hmm. like, all right, well, that sounds like it's going to suck if they don't vote me in. And I'm going to be really embarrassed. But okay, I'll show up. So I did get voted in. And Talk about fear walking into that boardroom and me having, again, zero idea of what mm -hmm. these people are doing here other than they are colleagues of mine. 
most everyone who's sitting at that table was another broker owner at Mm -hmm. that time. And right now there's a little more diversity in our board, which needed to happen. Um, in that there's salespeople, there's brokers, there, you know, there's all kinds of people sitting at that mm-hmm. table now. But at that time, it was all broker owners, owners, and people who had been a broker owner way longer than me. So I felt like I felt like an idiot, and I sit down at this table and look around like, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into, mm-hmm. and and what are we doing? So it. it Anyway, you were at the table. You were (laughs) one of those people. And you and I slowly got to know each Mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. over the years. And Mm -hmm. if your presidency was 2019, you had approached me and asked if I wanted to be or if I would be part of leadership. And when you get that ask, you need to know that this is a completely volunteer position, right? Yes. We yeah. You don't get paid to nope. volunteer at the board to be involved. But what you do get is a voice. Mm-hmm. And you get to sit at the table and you get to help make decisions that affect the entire membership. Right. And that, to me, was empowering, right? Absolutely. So you asked if I would be... would be interested in the leadership journey and it's a five-year commitment and you told me that out of the gate and mm-hmm. I knew that and I was nervous about that commitment because five years we don't know what's going to happen in five Absolutely. years right the that was one of the best decisions that I've ever mm-hmm. made in my career mm-hmm. and I would love to just remind people that sometimes the ask is big mm-hmm no matter what it is, but sometimes that's your path and you need to listen to that little nudge of, okay, well, you know, what does this mean for me? And what am I going to be doing in five years? Well, since none of us know that, what did it hurt for me to say, yeah, I think I, I will do that. Right. So that is kind of our story and how we got to know each other. And you brought me along because you were going to be president and I was coming up three years behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, you were kind enough to take me under your wing and and have lunch with me and, and tell me things that I had no, I still knew very little about what mm-hmm. I was supposed to be doing. So I appreciate that. And, yeah. I, and I think you and I kind of forged our respect for one another in that space. Yes, I agree. And then you turned around and did the same thing. You don't yes. get a lot of training for these board positions. Right. You're, you're sent to some training, but it's it's very high level. And when it comes down to the nitty gritty and trying to figure out what, what decisions are when you walk into that building, for especially for those of you who are not in the real estate space, when we walk into the building for the Greater Springfield Board of Realtors, our company hats come off. We are making decisions Correct. for the greater good of 2,700 members. We're the largest trade association in state of, um, in in Springfield. The Missouri Realtors is the largest trade association in the state of Missouri. Right. And the National Association of Realtors is the la- largest trade association in the country. Right. Yeah. So we, we're, we're a big deal. We're a big deal. We're kind of a big deal. <laughs> but and, and because of that, we we garner respect and we we are able to get a lot of things done at the in the advocacy space. And we'll we'll talk about that sometime. But really understanding that. Yeah, we don't get paid. It's not you right. don't get a lot of training. Right. And it's incumbent upon us as leaders 
to train the next generation of leaders, whether that's one person behind you or 10 people behind you. It's it's very important to make people understand. And now we have a leadership program. I mean, we've come so yeah, far. I look have. back at where we were in, in 2012 when I first got involved, mm-hmm. and it is, it's a different energy there. It's a different culture. Completely. We are, and because of the friendships, one of the perks of being involved and being a leader there is that you do get to build these relationships across company boundaries. And I can say that this is a unique thing that Tanya and I are doing because we are both brokers, broker owners of different companies, but yet we are able to come together with with a common goal and have this podcast together. And it's something that is certainly unique. Yeah. So... I want to highlight that because I think in our lives, in our personal lives, and then our business lives, there's so much separation sometimes from being able to work together. And mm-hmm. I own Southwest Missouri Realty, you own C21 mm-hmm. here in Springfield, and we can collaborate together. We can call each other and we can we can spitball broker questions. We've done that before. Mm-hmm. We were able to serve on this board together and get to know one another and and just talk about the the highs and lows of owning a business and and maybe get some tips. I've asked Angie questions about how she does her accounting before and right. and you know insurance and you know we we just have found that and I, I speak for both of us here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but we found that our walking into the boardroom and taking off our company logo and our company hat meant that we were able to see each other as um, colleagues, Mm -hmm. not adversaries, and to be able to feel comfortable asking those questions that generally, and when I first got in the business, it was very much like this, you were almost afraid to even go ask oh. your own broker questions yes. because it, well, you felt dumb for, yeah. you know, yeah. you always feel like there's a dumb question out there, but you certainly would never have asked somebody from another company, right. a friend of yours ever, you would have had to have stayed in your company. Right. And so for us to have kind of had the same feeling and experience at the board, I think mm-hmm. that's what puts us at the, this table today, that we're right. very like-minded. Can you imagine Carol Jones and Judy Huntsman doing something <laughs> like this? For those of you who know those people, you'll you'll understand what yeah. I'm saying. They, they were both involved in the board, but it was a different time and a different yeah. um, era, and they just didn't collaborate the same way that we, right. I think, I think, just times have changed, period. Yeah, and and we've yeah. been able to, um, luckily, we've been able to bridge that gap and yeah. be able to do things like this together. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about a lot, a lot of, we've talked about a lot of things today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think we're going to wrap it up. And yes. we're going to, in our next episode, we're going to tell you kind of how this podcast got created and where the idea came from because we want you guys our listeners to know where our hearts at and why we're doing this we're not just adding another um, job to our many tasks we have to do every week Mm -hmm. Uh, we we want this to be enriching to other people's lives so stay tuned for next episode where we will tell you how this came to be yes and we want to thank Gershman Studios for letting us record yes, here today. Absolutely. And just remember that 
The most important investment you can ever make is in yourself. The world needs you to be who you were meant to be. Simply Authentic Podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Find and follow us at Simply Authentic Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to the next episode with you. Thank you.